0: Welcome to the Nordic football podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined by Jonathan for And what you were hearing there was the equalizer for Jorgarten in the final round of the Aswensky, which got them the title and uh, Jonathan Have you recovered yet from uh, Saturday's finale?
1: Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. It's the end of the season in Sweden, and I'm just about recovered from what was an incredible, dramatic, chaotic, insane game of, uh, well, last day of the season. Uh, I'm still getting over it. There was goals everywhere. I think it's one of the most dramatic uh, ends to a season I've seen in any league, really, to be honest, in in many ways, both top and bottom of the the table. Uh, there was also Super Eton today which closed down the second division of Sweden and that was equally dramatic. I've got to say, I'm ready for a lie down, Steve. It's been an incredible, brilliant end to the field.
0: Yeah, I had the uh, matches on myself and uh, it was absolutely thrilling. Uh, a thrilling conclusion, a thrilling finish, both at the top and the bottom of the table. And, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> Well, where do we start i suppose uh, we have to start um in no because that was the match where you know, the title is in your garden's hands they just need a point and they are the champions but uh, things got off to an absolutely disastrous start for them and they went behind after uh, after just eight minutes and as uh, took the lead there through uh Loritsen, um, a um haskabanovic assist and uh, at that stage, you know, nightmare start for them. And it got even worse. They were 2-0 down uh, after 15 minutes. Uh, it was haske Benovic who got on the scoreline, on the score sheet. And uh, 15 minutes down, 2-0. It looked, well, it looked like they, they were basically blowing their chance.
1: Yeah, it's a, like I say, as you, know, you mentioned this, it? it was an unbelievable end to, to the season. Um, and our champions of Sweden. Congratulations to Jurgarden, obviously, and they've won it for the, you know, uh, first time since 2005, uh, the, the scenes have been incredible. Uh, there's been parties all night, there's been dancing. We'll talk about all the celebrations hopefully shortly. Uh, as you mentioned, it didn't get off to the best of starts, no, not at all. Um, shopping going 2 0 up. Uh, the final games of the season were no shopping obviously playing your garden, Malmo traveled to Orebro and they had new knowing that they needed to better your garden's result. And, um, or they needed to. They needed uh, garden to. So sorry to lose. Uh, and Hammerby were in the title race as well, knowing that any slip up from um, Malmo and Yule garden may allow them back into the race. And and that's what happened at the beginning. Uh, it was a it was a crazy end. I start to the game. Uh, there was a delay to the match. In fact, in, in got Ostgo got and because there were uh, fans from Yule garden and Norsho sort of getting into fights in the stands. Um, I think there was a bit of argy bargy in the terraces, and that created a delay, so it meant that that game was actually delayed compared to the, the other two key games. Uh, and indeed, as you mentioned, there no Shipping went 2 0 up, which at that point it looked maybe it was toast for uh for your garden when Malmo also took the lead at Odebro.
0: So after 15 minutes, Malmo 2 0 up, um, no Shipping at 2 0 up, and it's 0 0 in Hammerby. Uh, how would you say? Things were, how were each team approaching it? Were they Did they know the results elsewhere at that point in time, do you think?
1: Well, as always happens uh, at the end of the season, Stephen, there's always that kind of nervous tension in the stadiums. People listening to their radio, radios, you know, with one, ear, one earphone in, trying to understand what's happening around the grounds. It's, it's one of the enduring memories of football. It's always gone back, you know, back in the day with a wireless radio in your pocket. These days, obviously, people, Checking their Twitter accounts and that kind of thing. Um, th- there was a lot of confusion, which we'll talk about later at Malmo, which was very interesting. But yeah, you're right. And uh, the next thing that happened, which made it even worse for Jürgen, is Hammerby taking the lead.
0: Yeah, 35th minute goal uh, from Katrin I always pronounce him terribly. Um, Hammerby were certainly well on top in that first half. I watched that game. And uh, there should have been more than 1 0 up. But um, yeah, the half time picture was pretty clear uh malmo at that stage would have been champions uh all three would have been on 65 points but with a th- plus 37 goal difference as opposed to hammerby plus 35 so i mean half time everyone knows where they stand uh what were what were people saying were there any interviews at half time which were notable how were the fans reacting um i mean at that stage malmo looked good didn't they?
1: Mama did look very good against, uh, well, what are a really drab and quite poor overall side, to be honest. They've had a, a mediocre season at, at best. But you're right, Stephen, I think this really, you know, we'll talk about garden shortly uh, and their champion mentality. But this is where champions are made, isn't it? 2-0 down, you walk back into the stadium and and don't forget Norrköping were in great form coming into this game. Uh, a very tough place to go away from home. Um, I think at 2-0 down, it really is... I mean, it's almost like a kind of a Coach Carter moment, isn't it? You know, and the, the the dressing room talk, team talk from from uh, Thomas Largolloff and Kim Bergstrand could end up being the stuff of of a folklore, to be honest. Because at that point in time, Yulegarden, they were scrappy, their passes were not coming together, they were they, they were out of shape, they they did they just looked really, really uh, in the shit, to be honest. You know, uh, to use the coin of Steve Wiss phrase. Um, and uh, it really looked they looked down and out, whereas Malmo were flying. And uh, Hammerby knew that they, if they could, you know, just score a few more goals. And don't forget, this is the team who, who have broken the all spence game record in the thirty-game season for uh, goals scored. They knew if they could sort of uh, outshoot Malmo, they they had a, a fighting chance themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I watched to say all three games simultaneously, and it looked like Malmo could score ten goals. That's how dominant they were. I mean, bro it was men versus boys i know they had nothing to play for but you almost felt sorry for them that malmo were actually just going for it hammer and tongue i always sensed that that malmo would be able to outscore hammerby um but nevertheless at that stage i'll be honest with you i personally i wrote off your i thought they finished here they've blown this and i actually thought it's going to be between hammerby and malmo um in this second half and uh but to how wrong I was there, I mean, we talk about garden now, 2 nil down at half-time. How did they get back into this game then, John?
1: Yeah, I mean, you say you wrote them off. I always felt that if they could get one goal, I know it was it was terrible for them, but I always felt that third goal was going to be key. I felt it like if they could get one goal pretty early in the second half, all the momentum would change and, and go their way, you know. But I think a 2 nil down, you know, you... I suppose from the point of view of the managers, you you have you know you it's just about switching the mentality and making them realise that you know there's no other choice here but to come back in this game. You know the, the chance to be champions is 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 nearly over. And, and I think in a way a a, two, a break at two nil is almost a good thing in a way. You know put it this way, if it had been nil nil at half time and and be scored two goals early in the second half and there's no team talk or no chance to stop the match and you know reset the minds, I think it would have been over for them. Or, you know, if should had been one nil up and got a second into the second half, same thing. You know, I just think the mentality. But 2-0 down when you're half-time, you sit down, regroup. Um, you know, there's been a few talks, people saying that the managers came out and gave, you know, a good speech and reset the minds. There was a half-time substitution. Uh, Curtis Edwards was taken off and uh, Ajdjarevic came on. And he, he really settled things down in that in that midfielder and kind of offensive area. Um, it was a good ta- tactical substitution. Yulgarten started to play like more of a team. And I I did, I must be honest, I did feel like if they got one, which they did through Jesper Karlström uh, in the 50th minute, I felt that, you know, all the momentum would be there, their way.
0: Yeah. And, uh, there was a goal scored at a similar time in the Hammerby game. Um, I have to say, I what Hammerby, the first five or six minutes of the second half came out like a team possessed and, uh, I mean, it wasn't a very long period, but they should have definitely made it at least 2-0 or even 3-0. It just felt like it was really frustrating watching them, actually, because they just they got into some great positions, but the crosses were just not accurate enough. Um, really frustrating. It reminded me watching like Leeds United at the moment. Um, the crosses just were not finding their final man. And then they got caught on the counter-attack. For someone called Nielsen um, for Hecken, and it was a goal completely against the run of play um but that made it one all there in hammerby and you know it really felt like a bitter blow for them then your garden pull a goal back uh malmo then added two very quick goals um through uh, reichs and uh rosenberg in his last ever match i think so that was four nil on the hour mark so it just it looked then like a simple case of malmo or your garden if your garden can get the equalizer and um
1: yeah. And the funny thing about that, uh, Steve, you mentioned there the chaos of the last day. It was really symptomised by uh, a curious incident that happened. It was reported during the game by a, a local reporter at the match in uh, Oudenaarde. Uh, Joe Ingeberg and a fellow teammate ran to the stands uh, and reported on the wrong game. So they effectively they were trying to tell the, f- the players on the pitch uh, about the uh, Hammerby game, and obviously at that point. But Malmo Hammerbeat was a case of goal difference, wasn't it? They're still, your garden was still losing at this point. Um, but Burkitt and uh, and his fellow compatriots, uh, uh, colleagues were trying to tell the Malmo uh, and reporting on the wrong match. And uh, this was the IFK Jotterberg against Osterson's game where it ended 7 1 to EF Core. And they were telling them that the game in uh, in EF Core, which I think was about 4 1 at that stage, was, uh, was, the, was the hacking game. So, oh. um, they were e- urging on their colleagues to score and they're talking about the completely wrong match which sums up really the chaos of this, this last day
0: yeah. yeah, there was a similar situation in game about the 70, 75th minute where there was a, a break for an injury all the players were on the sideline and they were obviously talking about the Malno game uh, at that stage it was 5-0 and uh, I, you could tell all the fans that coaches were just basically telling the Hammerby players you've got to score as many goals as you possibly can and you know, a number of fingers were raised up you know, five nil. They knew they had to get six or seven at that stage. Um, but they still went for it to be fair. But anyway, this equalizer for your garden and um it's fitting that Biotore scored it really. I think he's been one of the top players for them this season, isn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it was dramatic. I think um from the moment uh Carlton got the, the first, you know, it was a bit of a it was a shot outside the box, it kind of just found its way through a crowd of bodies into the net. And from that moment, really, the the momentum changed. Your, your garden were aware they were much more focused. You could sense that this was a you know this is a once in a, a lifetime opportunity for some of these players to to uh, win silverware. You know many of these squad players have never won anything major silverware in their lives, uh, so they had the bit between their teeth at that point, and, and they looked a different animal really against nor Shopping. Um, tour yeah, it was a it was a substitution as well. Kujovic came on, um, and you know, he put in a, a cross and uh, it was Buyatore who, who finished it. And yeah, I think, it, you know, maybe you can ask me a little bit about Buyatore later on in the programme, but, but just, just quickly, yeah, he's, he's really been clutch this season and I think um we'll talk about him shortly, but he, he you know, it was fitting that he he got the equaliser and, and from there, really, garden knew that that point would be enough to, to win the title. And it was down to Malmo and Hambleby to kind of wait around, really, and hope that Noor Shopping could maybe do something, but but they didn't, see, did they? they? They, in fact, lost a, a man.
0: Yeah, I've got to be honest. I, I can't remember Norshipping having a, what you call a, a big chance for the remainder of the game. I may be wrong there, but um, I didn't notice anything. I just didn't feel like your garden were in, under any sort of pressure. Um, they controlled the game really well. It was like a different team in the second half. And, um, you know, the other two sides were just reliant on norshipping How maybe we just, to be fair to them, they were still going for it right to the end. But I think their fans knew the game was up. Last, uh, you know, as they entered stoppage time, the fans were singing and cheering. You know, they've had a creditable season, but they knew they knew the game was up there. And Malmo, they were just praying, weren't they, for that Shipping winner? But it never came. I thought Jurgen gotten really saw out the game superbly.
1: Yeah, they did indeed. You're right. And um, you know, at that point, it was still a case of if, if Northampton scored a goal, they 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 would lose the title. But um, there was a red card, as, as we mentioned and uh, the 73rd minute for no shopping which made things worse and there was a lot of fans tweeting and that kind of thing saying you know it's game over now a lot of malmo fans were very upset about that one uh, thor robinson sent off uh, for a second yellow card and really from there the momentum was with your garden and they managed to see off the job and we can officially say steve that for the first time since 2005 as i mentioned your garden are the champions of sweden and uh Massive congratulations to everybody involved with the club. Um, really unlikely season for them winning it. They were not hit by anyone really to win this title. Um, 66 points is a, is a good achievement. And, you know, that's that's one point less than ARK last season, but, you know, more than in other previous seasons when Malmo won the title. And really, this is a story of a collective unit, your garden driven by two brilliant um joint managers who, who have really excelled uh, at Sirius and now in their first season at garden have have won the title and put garden back at the top of the Swedish table and, and lifted the trophy.
0: Yeah, massive congratulations to garden and their fans. There was obviously huge celebrations at the final whistle. And um, I mean, yeah, pre-season, they weren't expected to be in the title race. Um, I mean, this, this is absolutely huge. What will this mean? For their fans, John, I mean, they've been kind of under the shadows of teams like Malmo, AIK last season, obviously won the title. They've been ghosts in these derby games. They've had quite a bit of, you know, mental baggage, haven't they, the Jürgen fans? But this is going to be very sweet for them.
1: Sweet, very sweet indeed. Uh, The fans are loving it. There was celebrations into the night. Uh, Jesper Kastrom, I think, said that he had one hour's sleep. Um, there was also another celebration today in Stockholm. I think at the stadium they had more celebrations. Um, you know, we—I really enjoyed a poll we ran on Twitter at Nordic footpot earlier in the season where we asked who were the best supported team in in Stockholm, and that really did kick off. To be honest, I think we had more than nearly two thousand votes um, when it got picked up by the various clubs, and there was a lot of debate in that. You know, and people saying that you you asked you asked it on one of the shows, wasn't it? Who, who's the biggest team? Um, and there was a lot of discussions, you know, and, you're going to that AFK of not being from Stockholm and there's that whole debate isn't there. And, you know, ARK obviously have won more titles, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a big history with these Stockholm rivals, but you know, at the end of the day now, two teams from Stockholm have won it consecutive seasons running now. Um, Malmo's reign is kind of over, you could say for the temporary reign they had, um, it will be three years without title for Malmo now and, and you just completely unlikely champions. Nobody saw this coming, as I mentioned. If you'd said to someone at the beginning of the season, you know, you're going to win the title, you'd have looked at it and thought, well, you know, <clears throat> there's players like Eric Berg who, who, who spent most of the season injured. You know, players that you thought would have been key players didn't even really make much of an appearance. Brat Veit, for example, in goal, <clears throat> he was supposed to be the replacement um, <clears throat> for their previous keeper. But it was Tommy viho who's a bit of a club legend, you know, in, in some ways a bit of a... Character as well, you know, he he came through and he had some key moments penalty saver against Malmo, for example, clutch moments like that. You mentioned Buyatore, obviously, who came in on loan. Marcus Danielson, the captain, you know, from Giftsundsfell. This is a team that, you know, for example, Aslak Witchery, as we've mentioned, who who had a middling time at at Ranheim in in Norway. Um, Elliot Shesh, who you mentioned kind of didn't do too well in IK Start, it's almost a team of misfits in a way, We've all come together. Um, put together by this, this really brilliant management team who, who have really molded this this squad, uh, and I think there's also a lot of praise goes to their sporting director Bossa Anderson who, you know, he he was crying actually on on the pitch uh, towards the end of the game by the touchline um, when when Jurgen equalised. You know that's how much it means to him. He's played for the club. He, he's their sporting director now. He knows what it means. <clears throat> there was pictures of him at midnight um, topless, dancing around. Um, you know this at uh, this. Kind of boisterous sporting manager who's really transformed the club in many ways with his his movements in the transfer market, and um, yeah, like you say, it's it means a lot to these fans and it means a lot to your garden who, who have kind of proven that they are a massive club in this league and massive club in Sweden, and um, you know they're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, just a quick word. I know we've talked about them before, but a word on the managers, the joint manager duo. Um, they've done a fantastic job here, haven't they? And uh, it, uh, you don't often see this ever happen where you know a managerial duo have success, certainly not in a top league anywhere. It's magnificent, really, from, for them, isn't it?
1: For, for a team, you know, <clears throat> I think this is a very good example. And it happens, it's happening, I think, a lot more in, in mainstream Europe as well there's a lot of younger managers um, getting chances now. It seems to be a new kind of wave of different managers in different countries. Um, you can look at, for example, Germany with the likes of Rose and Julian Nagelsmann, um, you know, these young managers. You can look at, um, you know, the Premier League, for example, the likes of Chris Wilder, Eddie Howe, uh, maybe Brendan Rogers, but he's a bit older. You know, the, the old guard of managers, maybe, that you, you, you look at around Europe are kind of are fading. <clears throat> the, what I like about the you know Bergstrand-Laglaf duo is they did their, they've done their time. They were at Brommapojkarna, um, they were at Sirius, and everywhere they've been, they've improved their team massively. You know Sirius were just an average Superettan club really, and and um, they took them to the Osvenskan and they, they they got them into the top seven of the Osvenskan in their first season. Did a fantastic job there, and I think it was a smart uh, recruitment of Jorgensen to appoint them when uh, their time at Sirius came to an end at the end of last season. Still, nobody thought they would win a title. I mean, you know, as I say, it was really, this is a really unexpected win. But if you were to sort of talk about what was the key to this title success, really, it is those two managers, um, the joint managers, the way they've molded the squad, um, the style of football they've played. They've they've got a variety of tactics. They have answers for different uh, questions. You know, they can play a counter attacking style, they can play a a possession game. Um, And I think, you know, there's no really one, maybe fantastic player in that team it's more of a squad effort and I think really that that, that credit and that team building goes down to the managers and, and it was proven in the, the half-time team talk really, to, to get them from 2-0 down.
0: Yeah I mean I look at this I mean did the best team win the league John because I look at the Malmo squad I look at a lot of their results and it, I, I just feel like really they should have won this title they're the best squad the best team AIK Hammerby, you know, Hammerby so many goals this season. How could they just not get over the line by one more point? I mean, you're right, dear. garden don't really have the individuals as much, do they? But they they combine better better as a team.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I think any team that wins the title is always the best team. You know, Steve. I don't believe the mantra of the old Arsene Wenger, um, Arsenal. Mentality where he used to say that Arsenal effectively won. You know, it's almost like it's like being a kid in the playground, isn't it? You say I won, I won the league when you didn't. Um, you know, I remember Arsene Wenger saying that regularly. Oh, we were the best team in the in the league this season when when they had finished second. I don't believe that for one second. I think the the team that wins the league deserves to win the league, um, no matter what. And and in this season, it's happened to be to be and They've managed to get one point more than anybody else. Um, you know, if you look at it historically. They got 66 points. That's more than um, the total Malmo had in in uh, 2017 when they won the league with 65 points. Um, funnily enough, it's the exact same total as when Malmo won the league in 2016, uh, 66 points with a plus 34 goal difference. So it's exactly the same. Um, yes, it's one point lower than ARK last year, but you know it tell, it shows you that around the 66 point market is is your aim if you want to win this this title uh, in Sweden. And ultimately, they've, they've done better than any other rival. Now, you know, do they have the best team? It's, it's difficult to say that on paper. You know, like, you, you can argue cases, I guess. Ultimately, three teams have been separated here by one point. And if it was goal difference here, Malmo would have won the title. If it was down to goals scored, Hammarby would have won the title if it was a point different. You know, it's, it's been a very, very close race with four very, very good contenders. Uh, you know, maybe if you include AIK. Um, but ultimately, the the other three have fallen short. Um, they've only conceded 19 goals all season, which is very creditable. It's not the best defensive record, but it's it's the second best. Um, 53 goals scored, which is you know, it's not it's not the best, but it is enough to do what what's needed. You know, ultimately, it's those wins, um, 20 wins that have won them this title. Hamburg really lost five games, and uh, Malmo drew too many games. You know, if you look at it through going through the squad and looking at player for player, you can always do that. I think each team has a very good striker. You know, um, Nikola Jorgic, for example, was fantastic, I thought, this season. Uh, Marcus Rosenberg rolled back the years and showed that even at his you know, high age, in his mid-30s, he's still a, a very respectable player at this level. Um, I think he had a good season. And then you, you know you look at um, Buattori. I've got a little story about Buattori. I just want to talk about very very quickly from my time in uh, in Gothenburg. Funnily enough, I um I actually met Buyatore once uh, when they, he was playing for AFD student at this point. I went to a game and we had a little conversation. And uh, I said to him that I believe in the years to come you could become one of the best players in, in Um The game was one all I think of that day, and I think Buattori scored a, a really really good goal. And uh, I saw him and I had a little conversation with him, obviously, from Sierra Leone, and we, we got chatting. And, yeah, so listen, in the years to come, I believe you could be one of the top players in, in this division. And um, I was thinking about that moment, I have to say, when I, when I was watching the games yesterday. You know, he's he finished the top scorer, um, and he's been absolutely clutch this season. You know, this isn't just me um, talking about, I'm reminiscing here. You know, Buyatore, if you look at his, uh, his, his record, track record, he scored the winner at AI, EF Core. Uh, home and away, he got the winner there twice. Uh, he got the winner against Malmo away from home, which was a massive win. Really, that was a title deciding uh, game. Really, effectively, uh, he got the winner against Falkenberg. He got the equaliser now to um, to uh, win the title for for uh, for Jurgen when they were two one down. And I think you know we've talked a lot about say Marcus Danielson. We've talked a lot about the squad, the managers. But I really think there there should be a little bit of praise there for for Mohamed Bouya because. He had a tough time in Belgium with St Troy. And don't forget, he's still on loan there. So it's not guaranteed he'll return for, for the Champions League. But um, I, I think that, you know, I felt watching that game that he, he really came up clutch. And I, I felt he would score. I put him as my fantasy captain uh, on the last day. I thought he would get a goal. And um, I just think, yeah, he deserves a lot of praise, really, for the way he came up clutch in many games. And um, I'm really happy to see that he's maybe proved me right as one of the best strikers in Auschwitz's game. But, yeah, you know. I was very happy for him. And I think all in all, um, garden were the best team.
0: Yeah, well said there. Well said. And uh, obviously, congratulations to, to Uh But we must move on, talk about some other teams. Um, I'm going to go with AIK now. And there's an, an interesting Twitter account called AIK Report. And this this tweet summed it up for me on Saturday. Um, uh, this hurts. It hurts so much. garden are Swedish champions 2019. AIK finish fourth place onwards and upwards. And it's going to hurt massively for AIK. They finish fourth and the two Stockholm rivals are ahead of them. They're not in Europe at this stage in time. Um, I think the only way that they will get into Europe is if one of the top three win the Swedish Cup at the start of next season. So (laughs) they've actually got to cheer on uh, two of their Stockholm rivals if they actually want to get into Europe. So it really does a bad day for AIK. What is next for them? Because, uh, yeah, they were the great champions of 2018, but it just hasn't quite clicked for them this year. I mean, they weren't far away, but it just hasn't been... It seems that like lack of goals has finally caught up with them to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Steve. Um, I mentioned it on the last show, on the last podcast. And don't forget, obviously, please do subscribe and listen to us on iTunes um you know so you can listen to previous episodes if you'd like to but i mentioned at the time they they along with uh, malmo are the two teams with the highest average age in this division um malmo 29.5 average age aik 29.3 average age and i really feel this is the uh the end of the line for this uh, aik team i must be honest i think there'll be a lot of there'll be a, i think there'll be an internal review I think they will look at this as an opportunity missed, uh, really, to maybe win back-to-back titles. They, they've only fallen away by four points, but you know I don't think it will be considered good enough uh, internally. And I think there's a lot of players who it might be time to move them on. Really, I feel the squad is a little bit mumbo jumble. I think it's a, I think there's, for example, they're a bit top-heavy in terms of strikers. Um, some players have worked out, some players haven't. You know, Sig Dawson, obviously Obasi. They've got Henrik Goitem, They've got El Nusi. You know, they've got a lot of, you know, they've still got Stefanelli out on loan, who I thought was quite good a few years ago. Um, they seem to be quite top-heavy. They, I think they lost key players. Uh, Alexander Milosevic, who, who, weirdly enough, Nottingham Forest, it's not really worked out there. And he's he's back training with AIK now, having moved to the Championship. Um, he was a big loss, and others, they lost, you know, for example, um, you know, they lost to quite a few defenders from that, from that title-winning side. There was, uh, you know, problems in the summer with other players who left. And I think their squad in general just felt a bit like it's come to the end of the line. I'm going to be honest and say, you know, I don't really enjoy watching AIK. And I'm not, you know, I find them a little bit a little bit dull at times, to, to be honest. And, um, you know, they can be good on their day, but they're, they're just, I just don't really get that much excitement from watching them at times. And I think they've been slightly better this season. You know, they've had some big wins at times. But I just think all in order all, a little bit stale. And I think this season we will see, you know, in the transfer window, we will see some some ins and outs there for sure. Um similar with Malmo, I think we will see some changes. Um but yeah, it will hurt Okay, And funnily enough, you mentioned there the um the 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 European football. Well garden will be cheering Malmo as well in the Europa League because um every single point that Malmo accumulate in the Europa League is gonna increase your garden's potential Champions League seeding. So um, for my fans, that's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Every time they do well, Jule garden's potential Champions League opponents are going to get easier. So that's an interesting one there too.
0: There's a, there's a long way to go, but we did have a question come in. Um, how do you think Julegarten will go, get on in the Champions League, John? I mean, it's, it's a long way away, but um, just say this squad now, how would that do in the qualifiers, do you think?
1: Well, I think that question was from, uh, was it from Steve... A v a, AVFC? F C I'm not sure but um yeah thanks for the question I think it is a long way as you've as you've mentioned there's a lot a lot to go uh, one of the reasons I think that you're going to want to lead this this season is because they managed to keep together their squad I think um dead players who were out with injuries I mentioned and players maybe who came in who didn't quite adapt but I, I think they have um they kept the majority of their squad. There was internal decisions to make sure they don't lose as many players as they can. Um, but at this moment in time, you know, for example, yes, Karlström will, will certainly have interest. I think his contract is expiring. Um, the midfielder there, who scored the the, the first goal in that comeback, um, he's had a very solid season, sort of in the defensive midfield position. Um, Buatore, as we mentioned, there, their top scorer. He's only on loan from uh, the Belgian club saint Um He's publicly said he wants to come back to Jurgen and he'd be very happy to return, but it, it's up to the two close to maybe negotiate. Um he had a terrible time in Belgium really. Um so that's two players already that could be off. Um but players like Marcus Danielson have said, you know, they're happy to stay. There's something special at this club. But you know, as as with any team who succeeds, there'll be offers, won't there? There'll always be interest in, in bigger players. I think when you look at the Champions League, it's always it's always a case of can you get through the first round and who do you, who do you, who who are your opponents? You know, you're always gonna have to beat a Celtic or someone like that. There's always this, you know, Teams in Sweden go in the first qualifying round, don't they, Steve? So it's not it's not an easy path. You've got to win quite a few games against quite a few big teams, to be honest. But um, you know, I think they will strengthen. That I, I I believe they have one of the best recruitment departments in in Sweden through Boss Anderson. Um, I think they've that's why they've rebuilt. Really, you know, if you look back, sort of five ten years ago, um, Jurgen were really in the doldrums at one point financially, and I think they've rebuilt through their through their recruitment. You know, really good signings and sales. Um, you know, look at Katino Cadawery, for example, they got two million euros for him. Um, they've rebuilt quite well in that in that sense. So I think they will be good in the market maybe this summer. And uh, Kujovic was a good signing, for example, in the summer. Curtis Edwards was a good signing. We'll see how they rebuild, but um, probably a bit early to say they can get to the Champions League group stage. But they, they've they already said they're going to look at it like, um, you know, like it's some fun and they're going to be happy to be playing. And Kim Bergstrand has said, listen, we we're, we're there to have fun and enjoy it. This is what everybody in Sweden wants and we're going to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good attitude, that. Um, We we will talk about the relegation battle soon, but uh, we've got to mention Malmo and and Uwe Rosler. Will he keep his job, do you think, John? I mean, would it be a case of... I mean, we've seen today Bayern Munich have sacked their manager. Is it a case of if you don't win the title, you're going to get sacked? Or will they... Has he done enough during this season to... I mean, Europa League as well, to, to keep a job? Because they will surely feel that they had the best squad... They're the best team um, and, and they probably should should be here with the title, but it not. And uh, what's the winter going to hold for them?
1: Yeah, very good question. Uh, I didn't even know behind the settlement manager. That's interesting. Um, they, there will be definite scrutiny uh, on Malmo. Um, their assistant manager is leaving for Brentford. Andreas Georgsson, he is off. There's been rumours Uwe Roslan may, may join him. So... Um, you will see what will still happens there. I think Errolslu will, he's an ambitious manager, and it wouldn't surprise me if he he maybe wants to maybe re, you know consider returning to England, for example, um, or maybe a, a bigger league. Um, he's not he's done quite well, but not you know obviously Malmo's season last year was already toast by the time he joined, and he, he turned it around quite well. But this season he was expected to win the league, and it, it's not happened. So he can't sit there with complete satisfaction, and um, neither can the board. I think one of the Biggest problems for them is their forward line. I, I think they still need a top striker um, to really progress and start to dominate this league again. Uh, I think eww, they're OK defensively. You know, they like I said, kept saying, they had one of the best XGs in the league. They, they have actually got the best defensive record. But I still feel, you know, I still feel they're a little bit imbalanced, Mama. I mean, I, you know, if we go back to the preseason season uh, podcast, which I'll never go stop talking about, I guess. Um, I predicted North shopping to win the title. <laughs> I just, the reason it was because I felt like Malmö just—I didn't feel—I felt they were a bit disjointed. I didn't think they would win the title, uh, and I didn't think A. I. K. would. I thought they'd be a surprise. I got it wrong, obviously, with the the team I chose. But um, I, you know, my feeling, my gut feeling with Malmö is just that they're a little bit off. I don't quite—I didn't quite buy into them at the start of the season. And um, although their their numbers were very good and their underlying stats were good, they just, you know, little things just didn't sit well with the team really and their fans. You know, a good example of that is they missed too many penalties. If they'd conceded, uh, if they'd scored the penalties they were given, you know, they missed a lot of penalties this season in key games. Um, you know, Morlins missed a few and he t- took a lot of heat from fans. Um, that kind of thing. If, they, if they'd converted their penalties, they'd be champions. So it was fine margins, um, but they drew eight of their 30 matches. And that, you know, they couldn't turn those draws into wins, really. Going back to the roster, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a change, to be honest, if you're putting me on the spot, I wouldn't be surprised if they they get new management, but then you'd ask yourself, who would it be? Um, but I do think they will need to dip into the market as well and, and reinvest in a couple of key areas, maybe some creativity. I didn't like the use of um, Romain Gore this season from Russler. I thought he was too conservative in his use of that player, who I thought was really, really good last season. Um, a good prospect there, and he might leave the club. Uh, I think that would be, you know, if I'm a North Shopping AIK or someone like that, I'm trying to get Romain Gore immediately. You know, Eurogarden, for example, because um, there's a talent there that was not well used by Malmo, so little things like that I think just kind of disappoint the fans. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. My prediction is he could well leave.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting prediction that one, and uh, we'll see what the winter holds uh, in store for uh, for Malmo. So um, I mean, I have to say, by the way, just before we move on to the relegation battle, it was a hell of a race up there. I mean, five, four teams in well into the sixty point. Mark, uh, North shipping actually finished with fifty-seven, I think, which is pretty decent. I mean, compare that to Norway. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if only one team finishes um, with more than fifty-five points in Norway this year. So, I think we've got to commend a lot of the teams up there that they weren't an awful lot of points dropped overall with this. So, uh, you know, well done to everyone in that, you know that top uh, four or five of the Arsvenskan. Uh Moving on to relegation, then in the, the, the most recent podcast we talked about Kalmar. And um, they obviously faced Sirius in the last match of the season. The Sirius manager, I think he said, uh, his heart will always be in Kalmar or something like that. And uh, there was a presumption that Kalmar would get the win they needed to secure survival. There were three to four favourites with the bookmakers. But things went disastrously wrong for Kalmar. They lost that match 3-0, which rather opened the door for the likes of GIF Sonsval and Falkenberg to take advantage. And that's what happened.
1: Well, it was, you know, we, it was as exciting as it was at the top. It was uh, equally as exciting in the bottom, really. Um, and, you know, the the fact that Falkenberg have survived is just absolutely, well, s- stunning to be honest. I mean, you know, this is a team who can see the 62 goals, you know, which is miles more than anyone else in the league, by, by, you know, by country mile. Um Bottom two for pretty much the whole season. And then last two games, that is the beauty of relegation at times, isn't it? They just pull out two two wins, uh, one away, one at home. Marginal wins last minute in both of them, you know, last five minutes. And, and uh, thank you thank you very much and good night. You know, 30-game season. They're only awake for about three of them, three of the games. And they stayed up. So um, absolutely incredible. Peter and Seymour's 90th-minute goal was the saving grace for them uh they live another day and um, maybe we should play that clip actually Steve, should i, should I just quickly play you that clip yeah jerk green here's <laughs> siba peter eh siba peter eh siba peter haye goal haye goal haye goal in the last minute 10 seconds now Scenes, scenes in the stands uh, as they beat AFC Eskilstina 1-0, 90th minute and nothing game um, and nothing season in, in many respects but they live to fight another day and Falkenberg will remain it's Gif Sundsvall and AFC who go down Good night to Gif. fantastic team last year, I said they were one of the best teams in, in the league last year to watch in terms of entertainment, uh, still a team who created more passes than, than anyone else but they've passed themselves to death in this season and they are down
0: they, they gave it a go, didn't they? They were one-all with AIK with five minutes to go. If they had actually won that match, Kalmar would have been directly relegated. Uh, incredible. I mean, that would have been, wouldn't it? But, um, I mean, they stayed in their, sons, their gift sons as well. But uh, Kalmar then, 14th place for them after that shambolic loss. Uh, the last two weeks have been terrible for Kalmar. And they've got to somehow get, pick themselves up for a relegation playoff match. And... Uh, Let's talk about the Super Etten then. The two teams have been promoted from there. And who exactly are Kalmar going to be facing in this two-legged uh, tie?
1: Well, today was the last day in um, in Super Etten. Warburg boys have gone up, <clears throat> along with Mialbi, who were already promoted. Uh, they've, they've won the title. And uh, the team that will be relegated to Syrianska and Brother Poikina. Uh, very sad day for fans of the pod. A friend of the pod, Sean Constable. But Kamal um, will play EK Braga. It was going to be Jorn Shopping, who you, you, you may remember. Um, I have a bit of a track record in Els Uh They were 2-1 <clears throat> up with, well, in stoppage time, 95th minute, when Brom and Poikina went up the other end and, and scored. in and the 95th minute last kick of the game, uh, it didn't make any difference to them because they had to win the match. But it, what it did do is take Br- Jorn Shopping out of the um, promotion playoff. So really, really, they cut each other's throats in that match. And it means that Ike Braga slip in there. Um, not a huge side by any means, but they, uh, they are going to be playing Kalmar for the right to remain or go to Auschwensken.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean, I know historically in the, the playoff matches here in the Orsvenskan, it's the results are a bit more even. I mean, in Norway, usually it's the elite Assyrian team that... Um, survives often because they only have to play one match and there's playoffs system in, in the Obos again um in that sort of uh, situation but um yeah that playoff match is to come I mean we just talk about Kalmar and, and Gift down there because uh, I just look at them two teams and I think surely there was a way too much quality A for one of them to go directly down. And B for, for one of them to be in the relegation playoff. I mean, how on earth has this materialized um, to such a level? I mean, this is a shock,
1: isn't it? Well, we had a long discussion in the in the last podcast, which you can still listen to. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> on Audit Football Pod on uh, on iTunes, or you can go back through the archives. <coughs> we had a long discussion about Falkenberg, Kalmar, and the mistakes Kalmar have made in these recent weeks. And <coughs> that game actually was, pretty, you know, followed by. The resignation of uh, Magnus Pearson. He resigned after that match in the last week of the season because after the Falkenberg game, he was actually abused by fans. Um, Quite, quite, got quite, got quite ugly scenes, to be honest. Um, Pearson didn't come into training on the Monday because he said that his family were too worried about him for him to go into work uh, and really. I guess, in hindsight, the writing was on the wall from that point. Um, he was abused, he said, with his family in the stands, and it was a very disturbing scene for him. Um, fans blaming him, obviously. It then came out, it was leaked, saying that the players had lost all confidence in him and didn't want him to take charge of the final game. And he, he resigned. He put out a statement saying, you know, if I'm not wanted, then I, I won't stay. And, um, you know, I want the fan, the players to focus on the final game of the season. And then ultimately, you know, if the players have leaked it, that they don't want him to be in charge. and they got their wish, and what do they do with it? Absolutely nothing. Got backed by Sirius 3-0. So, you know, they can. those players, if they've leaked stuff to the media, in my opinion, they can hang their heads in shame, um, you know, because they haven't justified their cockiness to to be leaking stories about their... and blaming it on their manager. Um, the camera board, in fact, came out and said they, they, would, they were upset that Pearson left, they would have liked him to have stayed. But really, if you look at it, it was, you know, I was thinking in the week before the match, um, all that needs to happen now is uh, Henrik Riestrom to go back to Kalmar for the last match and play against his old team. <laughs> that would have created, you know, that would have been like, you know, that would have been the final kick in the teeth, really. I mean, um, maybe it could have happened. But, you know, this all started there was a very good point made by uh, one of our followers at Wassen, I believe it is, uh, Kalmar fan who follows us and always comments. And thanks for listening, as always. Uh, he made a, or he or she made a very good point that, um, this has all started from camera for a while, you know, they, they've got rid of key members of the, the backroom staff, they've got rid of um, club legends like Reidstrom, and, and, you know, the decision to bring in person, maybe it was misguided in hindsight, but, uh, you know, Calma didn't really need to get rid of Reidstrom, really, and it, it went a bit pear-shaped there, and I think... There's been decisions behind the scenes that have really gone wrong, and that that's ultimately led to this position. If you look at Gifsonsvall, I mean, it's incredible they've gone down. I mean, you had that. We had that brilliant analysis by you last week, Steve, about um, Mjondalen and uh, and glimpt <clears throat> and you asked me about possession. Well, I just want to look at and you know just highlight to you Gifsonsvall's possession. Gifsonsvall actually managed the uh, second best possession in in the league. Uh, ball possession in the league. 55.8% possession they averaged this season. Uh, sorry, 54% possession they've managed, which is the third best, uh, my, my apologies, the third best ball possession in, in the table uh, behind Malmo and Juergarden. Uh And in terms of their construction of play, they are by miles the best team when it came to um, p- passes per game. Uh, they completed 563 passes per 90 minutes, Steve, which is 50 more passes than the second best team, which is the champions of garden. Um, that tells you the dominance they've had in terms of their possession and their, you know, construction of play and their, their, how, what they've done on the ball. The key difference this season, unfortunately, is that they haven't done anything really with that possession. And um, it comes back to that debate we had, which, you know, as I mentioned, you can still listen to it's even on our on our YouTube channel, a brilliant analysis by by Steve, I must say, um, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but yeah, it, it comes back to that discussion about possession, you know, and possession for the sake of it really is what's cost GIF Sundsvall this season, they haven't had that penetration that you need. It's all well and good having the ball, but I think a lot of teams have said this season to them: "Fine, we know how what you're going to do. We know you want the ball, keep it for as long as you like. We'll just take the ball whenever you lose it, and we'll we'll win the game." And um, I think aimless possession really has been one of the things that has, has cost this season. They they did lose, you know, a lot of um, crucial players like Linus Hellenius, you know, who was one of the top league scorers last season. But, um, you know, the top three players in in this division in the entire 30-game season for passes completed are all Gisunsa players, uh, all Spanish as well. Juan Gocicoles, David Batanero and Carlos Gracia. Um, But it's all for nothing. They're the only players in the league who completed more than 2,000 passes in the the league in total. Um, And, you know, what's it come to? Really nothing. So... I guess there's a lesson in there somewhere potentially that, you know, it's not all about possession. It's not all about how many passes you complete if you don't do anything with it. Um, And, you know, just to finally complete on that is I am sad to see GIF go down because I I really thought they were brilliant in the, in the 2018 season. They were very, very refreshing to watch. Um, EF course stole one of their best uh, coaches in terms of their style of play, which was a big blow as well, you know, as well as losing um, important players. Um, And I I do like their, the club really in the way they did their recruitment, you know, with, taking chances on Spanish players from lower leagues. They were a tidy team to watch, but um, unfortunately, as I said, if you can't do anything with your possession, it's going to cost you ultimately, and uh, that's what's happened to Gifts and so So they will be in Super Ethan along with AFC, who, I must say, um, are really a bit of a nothing club this year and just didn't add much at all to uh, Oswald's game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got to, you've got to think that Gifts' relegation is bad news for teams in the Super Eton because you yeah, expect with their resources they will probably walk that league next season and ASA Esklus Junior for a, as much of a nothing club as they are, they, they're quite yo-yo, aren't they? And they'll be quite competitive in that super and as well. Um you would imagine. Um let's talk about this playoff game. Well, and...
1: The one thing I would say there is if I had to predict a um <clears throat> if I had to predict the team to to finish above each other next season I'd would, I would back AFC every day to finish above GIF next season. Um GIF are actually financially in a, in a bit of problems um, which led to them having to sell Hellenius, to be honest. So, um, resource wise, it'll be a challenge for them. And I, I can't see a lot of their Spanish players staying. Batanero was linked with a- AIK at the start of the season. So, I, there's no way he'll stick around in Superettan. I'd, I'd be stunned. So, um, you know, and just as you, as you mentioned, they're talking about Superettan, Bromo have had back to back relegations. Uh, Trelleborg finished, I think, 11th this season. And uh, Dalkur, who were in All last season, also finished around 8th or 9th. So, it shows you that the teams at the bottom of All Svenskan. They have no given right to return. Um, and it can even actually get worse for them. So, you know, things won't be easy, will it? That,
0: that is actually very worrying Worrying to hear. If you're fans of uh, GIF or AFC or and maybe worrying to hear if you're a fan of Kalmar, because uh, they've now got to dust themselves down for this two-legged playoff game against Braga. And, um, I mean... <sighs> you talked about a sense of perhaps cockiness in this Kalmar squad. Um, do you, I mean, do you expect them to come through this playoff game? Do we know much too much about Braga? I mean, Kalmar for me, surely they'll be the favorites for it, but uh, is, is it an absolute certainty that they get through the two legs?
1: For me, it's not a certainty, Steve. I think I think Kalmar are on a downward spiral. Uh, I'm very worried about them, to be honest. I think they're lucky that, um. With no disrespect to Braga, I think they're lucky that uh, that Yon Shop- that Brombojkoj got that last-minute goal. I think Yon Shopping would have given them a real challenge. Yon um, Shopping have some experience; they still have quite a few players that were in um, Osfenskan actually uh, when they were relegated two or three years ago under uh, Jimmy Tellen. Um Daryl Smiley, for example, who scored today. Uh, I think in general their squad is slightly, you know, more mature. Maybe Braga are a little bit more inexperienced. Um, so I think they. They were a little bit lucky there with the Yonchopping. I think on-shopping would have probably beaten them over two legs potentially. Uh, whereas Braga, I'm not going to lie, I don't know a huge amount about them. Um, you know, it's not a team I particularly watch or know too much about. I know they have Christian Kwaku, who's who's not a bad player, a striker from Ivory Coast, for example. Um, but I don't know a huge amount about them in general. Uh, they've done quite well to finish where they finished. Uh, you know, and they, they have some key areas where they're quite good, but. You know, they've scored the most goals in in the league but i'd be i'd be concerned if i was a calma fan i don't i don't think they have any divine right to think that they can can um, conquer braga but i think it will be slightly easier than Jon Chubin, if i'm honest
0: interesting so no given certainty okay well um going to have a little bit of a break now then we're going to talk about some fantasy football in in norway and uh, round off the swedish fantasy as well so uh, see you very soon back to the Nordic Football Podcast and uh, we're here to talk about fantasy football and the, obviously the conclusion of the Ausfensken is done and this was the Nordic Football Podcast League we set up at the start of the season the top four is uh, Good Vibes by uh, Albin Johansson uh, Niepce versus Swedes uh, Ian Reed, he was third um, led the league for quite a while actually um, Gerardo Lopez Lojada. Second place with a team called Poor Don Guillermo and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Schlichting uh, with BK Hissingen. He's won the league uh, 2016 points and actually I think uh, was something like 12th overall out of anyone in the whole of the uh, the whole fantasy contest. Down, if you want to where me and Jonathan are, I was 17th and Jonathan was 21st so I beat Jonathan this season in uh, our fantasy but um
1: well done to the top four yeah i'm I'm actually a bit gutted about that in hindsight i I had about 15 weeks probably where i didn't even really check my team too much which in hindsight i'm a bit disappointed about because i can't have myself losing to you this is just (laughs) not 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 good enough i only played one of my three chips this season as well i played my double captain on the last day but yeah key key, uh key mistakes I, i think i'd put my you know if I was an El Svenskan team, it would probably I think it'd probably be Orebro or Elsp no not even Ellsporg, I think um I think it was a Helsingborg kind of season for me. You know, just didn't really do enough.
0: This was his
1: maybe team even Kalmar, in- maybe on the Kalmar of the yeah, El-Sven- El-Sven-
0: <laughs> You're not as bad as Kalmar. <laughs> um but yeah, this was the team for uh, BK Hissigan on the last match of the season. So points everywhere across the field. Couple of uh, Malmö players especially doing well for him there And then obviously it glitch was the captain A good captain choice there So um, yeah, well done to um, to Jimmy On winning the Nordic Football Podcast League um, It's, uh, as I say, a uh, fine achievement there And uh, we're going to move on to uh, Alstvenskan fantasy Sorry, uh, Elitiserian fantasy now And uh, this is the uh, nordic football podcast league there i'm just going to get you the screenshot as we get there now we are there with uh, fpl graphics currently leads the way grand flakes in second and i'm third but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna finish in the top two that here unless i have a monstrous last few weeks so um yeah uh, there's still four uh, three rounds left of uh, elite Assyrian fantasy and um i have to say like I said, I've been really impressed with the quality in this league. I think FPL Graphics and Bram Flakes, they're in, in the top 10 overall, which is a fantastic achievement. So uh, maybe I might be able to give them some late tips on how to uh, improve their position.
1: Should I even ask where I am, Steve? I mean... Uh, uh, well, I don't do think you...
0: Think you didn't, kind of, didn't you just sort of um, forget about this league mid-season for, for something? Yes. <sighs> where are you? You're not even too I have to go on to the next page here.
1: <laughs> got Curtis, Curtis Baker there. Another brand flakes. Phil Carvel. 58. Snow you Yeah, there we are. Yeah, football. Oh my goodness.
0: 71st. But there's people below you.
1: Well, I'm not in the bottom of the table. Are I? So I I'm mean bottom, <laughs> bottom ten. I
0: mean, you know, it was your first year at Elite Setting Elite Series in fantasy. So um, yeah, I think, you know, we've got to give you that, and
1: we. Well, Corey O'Brien, Moen Salu, Alejandro Diaz, Ulrich Talihaug, Sidnes, Adrian DH, Hafid Ziri Morocco, Christian Touroy, Jordan Winter, Isaac Leonez, your boys took one hell of a beating, the other 70 teams in the league. <laughs> I'm
0: not really sure what happened here with Ziri Morocco, unless he joined the league really late.
1: Where is our good friend Neil? I've got 1,200 points here. Am I going to catch him?
0: Uh, well, well, Neil Baxter has been a great friend of the podcast. I think um, has had a pretty solid season. I'm trying to find him uh, actually. There he, he is, nine, 19th in our league, wow. Britt FC. And I know he's been very much enjoying the uh, the season. His first season in, in elite and fantasy. I know a lot of people have enjoyed it actually. And um, you know, he's he's pretty solid position for him.
1: Yeah. What? Uh, who should we be backing? We've got two games remaining. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, there's three three match days are left. And I've still got my uh, attacking chip left. I played the attacking chip the last round in the Ars Fenskin. If anyone's got that chip left, or I would fully recommend they wait till the last two rounds. Because the last two rounds in the Elite Series, all the matches kick off at the same time. And you will be able to find out the lineups. I mean, obviously the deadline is an hour before, but you'll probably get the lineups come out about an hour and ten minutes before, so you can find out who's starting in these games. Think about motivation. I mean, Moulder might have won the title by then, so are they re- they might not start Lecky James. They might not start some of their big stars. You've got to really look at uh, soft matchups, and I can tell you, it happens in every league, doesn't it? The last two weeks, there's always some really massive hammerings when you kind of least expect it. It's a question of picking them out where you can. I mean, um, you know, Trump's a star back there. If Trump's a need to win on the last game of the season, I could see them racking up three or four goals. It really depends on the situation, who who's going well and who's not. Um, so, really, I think you've got to do it round by round. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to, have to pick this person for the next three rounds because, uh, you know, say motivation might change. But this particular uh the last round before the next international break i would say you know a soft matchup, up Trump. so i think i want a team to look at at the moment maybe runo espiard up front i could see them doing a, a job on on valerenga there and um you know we're looking at molder strums got set molder just need one two more points to win the title so they're going to want to put on a show there strums are going to against relegation but i would think molder players would go well and um you think about the teams that need the points like such I, I captained carl lafferty today in uh, and he well, he didn't score a goal but he hit the post and he had an assist and you know they're starting to look good again it's really you've got to look at each match individually but i would definitely save any chips you've got until them last two rounds where you, you know exactly or you should know exactly who's in the starting eleven so you're not going to get any surprises with late injuries or surprising bench players
1: what about um, Rosenberg assets, Steve? Because I noticed, you know, they've got, I think, uh, Buda Glimms at home and, you know, they're still fighting for a European players. Yeah, so you're right. Only one point off it. Are they worth maybe investing?
0: Well, they've got Rundheim away at home on the last day of the season. Now I think by then, maybe runheim might be relegated and Rosenborg. Desperate to finish in the top three, we'll probably need and you know that's the sort of game that they might absolutely hammer them. So you look at the strikers, Björn Mars Johnson. I think I've seen a lot of people pick him in their teams. And uh he's definitely worth adding, perhaps, because he looks the most in form of their strikers right now. Could have had a hat-trick on Friday night against Drum's good, sir, hit the post, I think, once. Um, he looks the most informed there. Um you know, in terms of their defence has let me down all year, I've had a couple of their defenders and they just, they can't keep clean sheets for, for whatever reason. It just hasn't happened. I mean, you know, watch now, if I get rid of them, then they'll, they'll probably start keeping clean sheets, won't they? But, I mean, I think you've got to look more midfield and attack. Uh, again, see who's starting, Adig Benro, can't, don't ignore him if he's in the lineup. I can tell he's had a good run. Um, but, yeah, I'd say Bjorn Mars Johnson. I, I know a lot of people have already cottoned onto him, but... Uh, Certainly, for the last uh, the two home matches they've got, he may well fill his boots.
1: Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be, well, it's too late for me now, I think, but I'm going to be looking at Rosenberg maybe. <clears throat> I think they might have a strong end to the season. Uh, are there any assets? You know, who are the top scoring players in these? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, here we go.
0: I mean, the goalkeeper, Sandberg at Starbeck, he's been superb. They've kept five clean sheets in a row. And, um, I've had him half of the season. I didn't really get him quickly enough, but I've stuck faithful with him in the last few weeks. He's been superb. Ivan Uspo at uh, Viking has had a tremendous year. I, honestly, I didn't rate him one bit before this campaign. I mean, this is a bloke who was making errors in the O-boss League game, for crying out loud. Uh, but he's been quite solid. Um, I, I think it might be a one off season for him. Um, I don't want to piss on his bonfire or anything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd just can't believe he'll keep it up consistently. He just had a very good season there. So, yeah, when I do my team with the season, he sadly will have to be in the reckoning for goalkeeper of the year. But, so uh, yeah, so those two goalkeepers have been miles clear of the rest, really. Um, in defence, I, I didn't even know the starback player, Hans Olsen got in the top five ranks for defenders. Um, but obviously, he must have had a lot of clean sheets recently. Christoph uh, Cichet at uh, Christiansen. The main reason he gets so many points is because he scores goals absolute menace from set pieces and obviously Håkon Evian has been a monster he seems to get look if he has a half decent game you get so many bonus points that you know 172 points huge isn't it
1: I think I've had had him in my team since day one actually that's the only thing I've done this this season to be honest I had him in my my team from the beginning
0: Uh, yeah I think same here he's uh He's been was 4.5 wasn't he at the beginning of the season. It was like ridiculous. I mean we can find out is what his history was. I've got I think it was less than five million.
1: Uh, yeah, he was about he? Let's
0: see what his price was. First day yeah, 4.5 million yeah, on the first day of the season. 4.5. <laughs> and now he's worth 6.7 <laughs> <laughs> I mean basically you have to have him have to have him in your team. Uh, otherwise you are aren't you? Uh, Philip Zinkenagel, he's a popular pick for Buddha Glimpse. Um he's a midfielder he's listed as a midfielder but he's often played as a striker mm. so yeah, wolf sort
1: of players. The wolves in there him.
0: Yeah he's tailed off though second half of the season. Um and someone mentioned this a few a couple of months ago that this has happened before when he's at Malmo. He, whether or not he's got the physique to last the whole campaign. I mean he's been injured recently but if you look at his points is the last time he picked up double digit points in fact the last time he picked took more than six points was match day 15 which is quite a long time ago mm. most of his points going was in that first um you know 15 rounds where he was absolutely superb but he's and tailed the off the top strikers the top strikers i'm guessing it'll be uh, yeah yeah turgil bourbon who yeah i've got to be honest he's a player i got completely wrong this year and uh, we'll talk about this at the end of the campaign again but um you know he was delivered far beyond what i expected and what most people expected of him um 163 points he, again. he His form's gone off a little bit recently, mostly because the team itself's gone off. But, um, and then obviously Mulder, Ohi, Ohey, and Leckie James have been pretty evenly matched.
1: Yeah, really good stuff. I, I think I've got Oliver Ossian there somewhere in my team, but, um, as I said, 71st place, it's, uh, it's not been a great campaign for me on either front. So, you know, 2020, I'm looking towards the SM Gould in 2020 now, but congratulations to Jimmy Stichting and. And, um, you know, the, the top two in Norway, if you can carry, hold on to it. Uh, I think that pretty much is the end of the show for now. Yeah. garden are the champions of Sweden. It garden season 2019. They are the kings of Sweden. They take the crown. They are the team to beat. Congratulations to any Jurgården fans. I'm sure you've probably got sore heads right now. You're probably, you know, hung over at work maybe, or you were, um, you know, you've had a, a, definitely a few beers. It's been a great season for the your and fully deserved and uh, you know I'm really happy for the the you know your garden fans who do listen to the show we'll be reviewing the season in Sweden in general in a later pod to come um, you know looking at maybe the the, te- the the wider overview of the season and you know drawing some conclusions on the 2019 season but there are still three rounds in Norway which we will be back for and um, you know don't forget to subscribe and follow us and if you like the show, tell other people about it and, and spread the word for us. Um, you know, we are the number one English language football podcast for Sweden and, and Norway. So keep it tuned to the Nordic Football Podcast. Steve, it's been a great season. I've really enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, from a Swedish perspective, I think it's been one of the best seasons, most competitive seasons for many years. Uh, and always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. So I think that's pretty much it from me. And uh, goodbye to everyone. And You know, my name is Jonathan faduva and you're Steve Wiss and uh, we're on twitter at my meatman soccer at jfo and uh, thanks everyone for another great show
0: goodbye everyone take care